0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good morning everyone and welcome to the Theology Central podcast. It is Saturday, April the 15th, 2023. It is currently 11:15 a.m. Central Time and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas where we had we had a little bit of issues in the pre-show right before we went officially live because for some weird reason I I told everyone we were going live and I literally stopped the live stream. I don't know why. And then when we got ready to go live there, I didn't have the music queued up, but I have to look at something because I think I made another mistake. I think I made another mistake. Let me see here. I'm going to look here. I think I made another mistake. Nope, nope, nope. I didn't make that mistake. All right, good. I thought I'd made another mistake, but you know what? Here's, listen to me. Listen to me. Here, here, Here's, I want you to listen to me. You ready? You ready? Listen, right? I'm telling you all of this not just because you not just because I want to because obviously you don't need to know any of this information but here's what I want you to, to know It is easy when you've been live broadcasting, as long as I've been live broadcasting, it is easy sometimes just to sit down and think, I've got this. I can do this. I've been, I have done thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hours of broadcasting. I mean, I can't even, I mean, we do about 900 episodes a year. And if you go back, I've been, I've been basically recording broadcasting since, I don't I, easily 2000. Well, even before 2000, maybe starting a little bit before it. I mean, I, I from everything, sending out, uh, you know, uh, cassette tapes, all the different ways. I'm not going to go through all of it. But when you've been broadcasting and broadcasting and broadcasting and preaching and teaching as long as I have, that there are times you can just get this sense that. Hey, I got this. I got this. You know, I can just walk up here and click the buttons and go live. And then sometimes what happens is you realize you don't really have this. Things can go wrong. You can you can think you're prepared. And next thing you know, you're trying to say a word and you're like, okay, how do I say this word? You're mispronouncing something. You get something wrong. You get confused. You mess something up. You click the wrong button. Something happens. And then you realize I don't really have this. But there can be those times where you get a, are you ready for this? Here's the word I want you to think about, a false sense of security. You get this false sense of security. You get this over inflated, over exaggerated sense of your own ability and what you are capable of. Now, I'm connecting that, obviously, to broadcasting because of everything that just happened. It fits perfectly, right? Because I thought, oh, I got that. I just finished a live broadcast. I know what. Click the button. Let's – and then little things started happening. Little things went wrong. Nothing major. Nothing significant. But it's a little reminder going, hey, 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 hey. You – you never know when you're going to mess up. You never know. Now, you, you can't allow that constant reality that you know you can mess up at any time lead to fear or you're not willing to try. But it's a good reminder to keep you humble and keep you, in a sense, facing reality. And I say all of this because I want to ask you a very important question. When it comes to the subject of temptation— How dangerous do you think it is? For us as individual Christians to have a false sense of security. Now listen, listen. I'm not talking about having security about our salvation. We should have complete security in our salvation because that is based off the finished work of Jesus Christ, not what on, not on what we do or not do. It's based off an imputed righteousness, not a practical righteousness. It's based not off my obedience, but the obedience of Christ. We should have complete security in our salvation. All right. We should have complete security in our salvation. That should give us the, the, the confidence that I can try to live out my Christian life. No matter how much I mess up, no matter how much I do right, how, no matter how much I do wrong, that I, I know that no, no, no matter what I attempt to do, no matter how bad I fail, I can fall back on the fact that I am eternally secure. So that my, my salvation security should give me a little bit of boldness in trying to live out the Christian life, but. How does a false sense of security and our practical living out our Christian life, how does that impact us when it comes to the subject of temptation? I want you to think of false security, not in regards to your salvation, but just into living out your Christian life, just about you as a Christian. If you have some false sense of security in regards to temptation, how How does that impact you living out your Christian life in regards to temptation? What is the connection between a false sense of security and temptation and the life of a believer? Now, the reason I'm going to bring this up is because you know that I mentioned yesterday. In fact, I attached a PDF file to the uh, episode um, from Free Grace Broadcaster, Chapel Library on temptation. All right. The, the the PDF file is attached. You can, I'm going to attach it to this episode as well. It's attached to the last episode. You can also just do a Google search, free Grace Broadcaster, Temptation. Uh, issue 257. You can find it. It's online. It's free. And it gives us articles on the subject of temptation going from around 1600 to about 1900. Uh, lots of very famous names, lots of uh, of people very uh, famous in the world of uh, theology, in the world of, uh, of church history. So I, I want you to read it and, and add that and supplement our study on temptation. You know, we've been working on temptation now for a week. We've got about six more weeks to go. We're going to really dig into this topic. We're trying to provide people resources. But this morning, I was looking at issue 257, again, from the Free Grace Broadcaster, on temptation. And the very first article is, What is Temptation by John Owen? What is Temptation by John Owen, 1616 to 1683? And so I I know we're still working in James 1. Remember, you need to still be working on that. Tomorrow, we're going to be looking at the kind of these two different kind of progressions that show up in James chapter 1. I think there should be an interesting study. But while we're doing all of that, I gave you this to supplement it. And it just, to me, this brings up this subject of false security. Now, we can get into a discussion. Does John Owen use this verse that he uses correctly? We can get into that, but it just made me start thinking, I wonder, just like I can get a false sense of security about broadcasting, thinking I've got it. And then all of a sudden, boom, I get hit in the face and I, you know, I'm, I mess it up so bad. It's, for example, last Sunday, was that? I believe it was last Sunday at Victory Baptist Church for the Sunday school hour. I've got the book right here behind me. I had full confidence. I had full confidence, full sense of security that was going to walk into Sunday school going, all right, everyone, remember we're studying law and gospel. This is like our, I mean, we've spent almost a hundred hours looking at the subject. We're in thesis. I think number, I think it was number 13. I think it was number 13. We're in thesis number 13. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. And I read the thesis and I started and almost, it felt like immediately, Immediately everything went wrong and and I could not believe it just it just got worse and worse and like like people are looking at me like they have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm looking at them like I don't know why they don't know what I'm talking about. People seem to be getting irritated with the whole thing. I mean, I deleted the I deleted that entire lesson. Five. I mean, as soon as Sunday school was over, I ran to the sound booth. Like you're not. I'm not even exaggerating. I got to the sound booth as fast as I could, and I'm like delete, 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 delete. It was an absolute train wreck of epic proportions. I mean, it was so bad that I, I, I'm, I'm probably going to take that entire series, Long Gospel, and we're gonna. I'm moving it out of the church completely. I'm bringing over, I'm just going to do it in podcast and just, I'm done. I don't know what happened. I still, I can't even pinpoint what happened. But if you would have asked me, like if you would have been, if you'd have been there at the church, you're like, so are you ready for Sunday school? I'd have been like, ready. I don't need it. I mean, I'm, I've got this. I mean, come on. We've done a hundred hours on this subject. What could possibly go wrong? And everything went wrong. And so I understand false sense of security and broadcasting, but now I'm, I'm trying to connect it since we've been dealing with temptation. How does a false sense of security impact this whole concept of temptation? Let me explain how John Owen handled this. The name of the article is What is Temptation? I know I spent a lengthy amount of time there trying to introduce this, but I wanted to really try to illustrate it in a practical way, right? Dealing with broadcasting you can hear, and then try to move it over in a way that may may make more sense to you. Here we go. John Owen begins his article, What is Temptation?, by quoting Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Matthew 26, 41. Now, I think you could argue, now, of course, the verse has a historical, a very specific context, but in general, this seems to say you need to always be watching, you need to be always praying, because the chance of entering into temptation is a constant reality. So this seems to be saying, hey, don't get a sense of security that you've got this, because you're always in danger of entering into temptation, now, I don't know how we live our lives Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in a practical way, constantly aware that at any moment I can enter into temptation. At any moment I could be hit with it. This raises lots of questions, but let's see how John Owens De- John Owens decided to handle this. Here we go. So he quotes Matthew 26, 41, and he says this, These words of our Savior, are repeated with very little alteration by the three evangelists. Matthew and Mark record them as above, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Luke says, rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Luke 22, 46. The whole caution seems to have been arise, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. So you could go with all three, arise, arise. Watch and pray. Now, what, it would, what, what would it mean by arise, the watch we get, the pray we get? What does it mean? What do you think arise means there? How, how should we understand that? All right? I, mean, I don't want us to get too sidetracked. I don't want us to get too sidetracked, but just stay with me here. All right? Remember, when we do these Bible study exercises, sometimes we take these little detours. Right? We take these little detours, but the detours are, are I think, important. I think important, all right? So here we go. Now, this is what he has in the next paragraph, all right? Arise, watch, and pray. I, what is arise? I, now, see, now I didn't even I didn't even catch that this morning when I was reading this. Now, now I'm interested. How do we understand arise? I got to watch and pray. What would the arise mean? Do you think it has any significance? All right, all right. You, you can tell me. All right, but here we go. Here's the next paragraph. This is what caught my attention this morning. Solomon. No, I'm sorry. I have to laugh right there. I, I mean, come on. You, don't you get it? We're, we're reading an article about temptation and we mentioned Solomon. I mean, that's just, just hilarious. The man who had, what, 700 concubines and 300 wives. I mean, come on. I mean, him say, telling us anything about temptation is hilarious. But okay. All right. Solomon tells us of some, so Solomon tells us of some people that lie down on the top of a mast or in the midst of the sea, Proverbs 23, 34. All right. So the top of a mast. Now, if we, if we look up the word mast, you probably know what this is referring to here. A mast definition uh, a mast is a tall, upright post, spar, or other structure on a ship or boat, all right? And a sailing vessel generally carrying sails. So you have this long pole that carries the uh, the sails. And then sometimes it can be like a little place at the top, like a little place on the top. It would be like trying to lay down on this very, like, you, you would you would not feel any sense of secure, security there. You would be like, that's not the place to hang out on a ship, right? That's not a place that's safe. That's not a place that is secure. But he, but, but Solomon mentioned someone who will just go up there and just lie down, all right? Or lie down in the midst of the sea. Well, nobody wants you to just lie down in the midst of the sea because you're going to drown, right? So in other words, this is saying there are these individuals who will lie down and and places that are not safe, that are not secure. Why would you lie down there? Now, now let me go back to uh, what John Owen had to say. Now, he says, this is an accurate picture of men who are overtaken by a false security at the brink of destruction. Oh, now, 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 this got my attention this morning. Now, please note, we're going to look here in a minute, because that verse in proverbs twenty three thirty four there's a reason they have a false sense of security, so before we advance let's at least because once again John Owen doesn't give us context Ugh, drives me crazy how, how how throughout church history people forget context. Let's figure out why. Why do we think the people in Proverbs 23, 34 has a false sense of security? What is giving, what is giving them this false sense of security? Let's go to Proverbs 23 and see if we can identify what is giving them this false sense of security. Proverbs 23, 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? So here's someone who founds themselves in sorrow, woe, contentions, babblings. They end up with wounds and bruises. They don't know where they got them. They have redness of eyes. Who, who, who are these people who look like this? It is they that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. All right, so this is people who are drinking alcohol. These are people who are drinking alcohol and finding themselves because of the alcohol in these very bad situations. Now, stay with me. Verse 31, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Okay, hey, look, be careful. That wine, it may not look dangerous. It may look, oh, it may look, it may look enticing. It may look satisfying. It may look refreshing. It may look like it tastes good. It may look harmless because it's just, look at the wine in the glass. It looks fine. But, oh, be careful, be careful, be careful. Because before you know it, it biteth like a serpent and it stingeth like a, an adder. Thine eye shall behold strange women. And then I shall, uh, and thine, and then heart shall utter perverse things. You're going to behold things. You're going to utter things. And then guess what happens? Yea, thou shall be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea or as he that lieth down upon the top of a mast. In other words, because of your drunkenness, because of the wine, you don't perceive now danger. You don't have the ability to rationally judge things. So what do you do? You go, lie. you're going to climb up to the top of the mast on a ship and I'm going to lie down here. You know what? I'm just going to go lie down in the middle of the ocean because you, your ability to judge rationally has been greatly impacted. And then what happens? They have stricken me. Shall they, uh, shall thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me and I felt it not. When, uh, when shall I awake? I will see it yet again. So you're not even going to realize what's happening to you. You're not going to even know what's going on. You don't perceive the danger. You have a false sense of security. Now, in this particular case in Proverbs, it's because of alcohol. Alcohol gives you this sense of security, this inability to judge danger. This You don't realize it. Oh, I'm good to drive. No, I'm good. And next thing you know, or I I think I'm okay. Next thing you know, you're engaging in activity you would never engage in. or, Or you're getting angry when you wouldn't get angry. You're getting in a fight. You just, you're out of control, but you don't realize it. John Owen has taken that image and he's bringing it into the subject of temptation. Now, I started by trying to explain, it's not wine that gives me a false sense of security. It's years and years and years and years and years of broadcasting. It's years and years of teaching. So sometimes I can walk into the pulpit or sit here in front of the microphone thinking, I got this. I can do this. This is going to go well. And then I'm utterly devastated and destroyed when it doesn't go well. Now, the one good thing is I'm very good at picking up when it doesn't go well. Some would say I'm oversensitive about it, and think sometimes that that I feel it didn't go well when it actually did. I won't deny that reality, but uh, but I do know that there are times I really think in my mind, I got this, I and and then I end up realizing I don't have it. Look, there there's I, I, there are t- there is one area of teaching that has. I have failed at so bad that to this day, it still haunts me. And that is is trying. I've tried two times to teach the Christian incomplete armor by William Grinnell. I've tried twice. Now, just the way the book is written, it is so wordy and convoluted. But in both cases, I I thought I've got this. And in both cases failed miserably, horribly. It was, it was, it's, it's full of embarrassment and shame, but, I thought I had it. I thought I had it. One of these days, I'm going to figure out what to do with that. Uh, So I'm connecting it to this because it's very practical to me. What I want you to do is consider how false security comes into play with temptation. Let's see where William, uh, where, not William Grinnell, where John Owen takes this. You ready? Here we go. Solomon tells us of some that lie down on the top of a mast or in the midst of the sea. This is an accurate picture of, of men who are overtaken by a false security at the brink of destruction. If any have ever done so, the disciples in the garden certainly did. Their master was just a little distance from them, offering up prayer and supplication with strong crying and tears. Hebrews 5, 7. And he was doing this while they slept. Now, remember, Jesus is in the garden. I mean, he's overcome with grief and emotion. He is intensely praying. There's a passion. There's an intensity to that. And while he's doing that, his disciples are. (laughs) Right. He was beginning to taste the cup that was filled with the curse and wrath due to their sins. The Jews were nearby and armed for his and their destruction. Jesus had early earlier informed them that this was the night of his coming betrayal and death. The disciples saw that Jesus was sorrowful and very heavy. Matthew 26:37 he had even told them plainly that his soul was exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death, Matthew twenty six thirty eight. And he entreated them to wait and watch with him. He was dying and dying for them. In his condition, as he left them for a little while, like men who had forsaken all their love towards them or care for themselves, they fell fast asleep. Even the best of saints being left to themselves will quickly appear to be less than men to be nothing. Now, we could get into a whole argument. Why did they fall asleep? Why, why did they fall asleep? Now, preachers can take them falling asleep and we can go, we'll run any direction that, appe- that fits our narrative at any given time. You can try to figure out why did they fall asleep? Was it just physical fatigue? And if so... Is that given, given, given into temptation? Was it because they just didn't care? they were like, you know what, Jesus? Yeah, whatever, whatever. They didn't perceive the danger. They didn't perceive the seriousness of said situation. Was it a lack of perception? Did they have a false sense of security? Or was it just physical fatigue? What, what, what do you think? It, it's good to preach it like they just stopped loving Jesus and they look how weak they were. We could could have a discussion there. All right, here we go. Let's see what happens. All all our own strength is weakness and all our own wisdom is folly. Peter was one of those that fell asleep and that soon after he had expressed such self-confidence that he would not forsake him even if all others did. Remember how Peter was like, no, everyone else may fail you, but not me. A false sense of security. An over sense of his own ability and strength and an, an, an overestimated sense of his own commitment to Christ. Hey, all of these others, they may fail you. I will not fail you. He, he doesn't even see it. And next thing you know, he's, is he lying down in a sense at the top of the mast, in the middle of the sea? Did Peter go to sleep because of this? I says, so, uh, so, uh, and soon after he had expressed such self-confidence that he would not forsake him, even if all others did, our savior said to Peter, could ye not watch with me one hour? It seems to be implied in his words that if Peter could not watch just one hour, he was not likely to fulfill his boast, never to forsake him as if he to say, Could you really hold out if you cannot even watch with me for an hour? Is this how you're going to die for me? Being dead in security while I'm dying for you? It is amazing thing to consider that Peter should make so high a promise and then immediately be so careless and remiss in the pursuit of it. We find, however, in our own hearts, the same root of treachery, abiding and working. It bears fruit in us every day. The most noble promises of obedience, quickly ending in deplorable negligence. The Lord Jesus sought to stir them up to see their condition, their weakness, their danger. Ruin was lying right at the door. They needed to rise, watch, and pray. Wow, that, there's some great stuff right there. That, that's from John Owen. What is temptation? It'll be it's, it'll be a connected to a. Uh, there'll be a PDF connected to this broadcast, or you can go to the previous one. This is I've told everyone to start reading this to supplement our study on temptation. So we're taking a slight detour, but I really want you to consider. I think Peter's a good example. I I I, I want you to try to make kind of a timeline. This is just this is for extra credit. Just make a little timeline of when Peter starts immediately basically claiming, you know, find out, try to find the verses where Peter first starts making the claim, I'm never going to forsake you. I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to do this. Then then determine where Jesus, where, uh, Jesus gives him a warning that it is going to happen. So I want you to figure out when Peter starts immediately making the claims or the promises, That he's not going to deny. He's not going to betray. He's going to stay consistent. He's never going to, you know, basically let Jesus down. I want you to find the verses where Peter seems to do that, where then Jesus clearly warns him, no, 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 Satan is seeking you and you're, you're going to deny me. You're going to do so. All right. Then when does Peter start falling asleep? right? Then then when does Peter fall asleep? And then how does Peter respond when Jesus kind of rebukes him for falling asleep? And then how soon after is Peter then denying Jesus three times? So I want you to just create just kind of a mini timeline, a mini timeline, right? Here are the verses where Peter's like, not me. It could be them, but it's not going to be me, right? And then, um, then when, and then how quickly does Jesus warn him? Nope, it's going to be you, right? Then how quickly is Peter snoring? How quickly does he fall asleep? And then how does he respond to Jesus saying, Peter, you can't even stay awake for one hour. And then, then his denial, like just a, kind of create a mini timeline of it. And then when you look at this mini timeline, ask yourself, is Peter the perfect example of false security? Now, again, we're not, we're not calling into question security of our eternal salvation. That's based off Christ. I'm talking just how secure are you in your Christianity thinking, this is never going to happen to me, or this is never going to happen to me, or I'm never going to do this, or I'm never going to do that. Now, John Owen, he doesn't, he doesn't dive into it, but I think it's interesting. He gives us these like three very important things, arise, arise. Watch and pray as kind of a solution to this false security, but I'm going to, I'm going to offer something else. I'm going to, I'm going to say, yes, arise, watch, pray, count it all joy. Just stay with me. I still don't know how the arise works. I still don't know. I want, I, I want to get, I want to try to figure that out myself. But I'm not going to do that right now. I want you to work on that. Arise. Like, you got to find out where that that happens. Um, and all the only in one gospel is it connected to the watch and pray. Arise is used in, let me see here. I think it's Luke 22, 46. I think it's Luke 22, 46. Luke 22, 46. Luke 22, 46. why sleep ye rise pray lest you watch what enter into temptation so the arise arise watch and pray if we put these three together i think i think now we see the context arise is wake up watch and pray so really the three would be this way we could say wake up Watch, pray, and count it all joy. I think this becomes a very key element in dealing with temptation. Wake up. What do you got to wake up to? You got to wake up and realize the danger. You got to wake up and see. Hey, wake up. You got to realize that danger is coming. Wake up. Now, Jesus in this case is telling them, wake up, um, lest you enter into temptation. Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Because danger is right there waiting them. Jesus is is is, is suffering. But I'll look at everything that's getting ready to happen. All right, hey guys, you, this is not the time to sleep. We danger is approaching. Danger is right here. Danger lies at the door. We have to. We have to spiritually not be asleep. We have to wake up and realize all of the danger. Think about it this way. And so I think we can. I think we can do this. We can. We can. I want you to create a little timeline of Peter's situation because I think he's a great example of false security. But when it comes to our temptation, I really want us to just work on this. I want us to really try to drive this home because I think. I think we're. I think this little detour is going to help us here. That when we're done with our whole study of temptation, we may come back to these words over and over and over. So you ready? One, wake up. You gotta wake up and see. You gotta wake up and realize. And and here, and here's what we have to do. We have to first wake up and realize our own sin nature is not gone. I know Christians teach that when you become a Christian, you're a new creature. The old is gone and everything has become new. Clearly, that's not too true practically because we still possess a sinful nature. That's true positionally, but not practically. We have to wake up and acknowledge our real, the depravity that stays inside of us. We still have a sinful nature we, and, and we have to realize that. All right. So we have to wake up and see our nature. Second, we have to wake up and realize the limitation. We're never going to be perfect. Like I don't, you can sit there all day and claim that in Christ, you can do this and can do this and can do that. You can't be perfect. You can't stop sinning. So we have to wake up and realize, man, I have a sinful nature and I can never be perfect. Meaning sin is going to be a a constant part of my Christian life, no matter what I want to say. So you have to wake up and realize your nature. You have to realize and and, and realize your limitation. You're never going to be perfect. Sin is going to be a constant threat. Three, you have to wake up and realize all of the temptations around you. Right? Uh, I think another thing you have to do is you have to wake up and be more honest with the desires inside of you. you got to, and I'm separating this from your sinful, na- you've got to just realize you've got a sinful nature, but you've got to be very honest about what you desire deep down. And it's hard to be honest about that. You can sit in church and try to pretend that you're all righteous and godly, but man, you know what's going on inside. You know what you're desiring. You know what you're feeling. You don't have to necessarily announce it to everyone, but you got to rise up and know. Then you got to watch. You got to be on alert. You got to pay attention. You got to see what's happening. You got to watch the developments. You got to see where things are going. And then pray. Pray is at least a constant... And when I say pray, I'm not saying pray that like, God's going to take away the temptation because he typically doesn't. God's just going to, it doesn't typically work that way. And if you think it does, you're just, it's, it's just, you're fooling yourself. I think praying is just, uh, uh, we are constantly screaming out to God and it's acknowledging our weakness and our need of him and his grace and his forgiveness. All right. So, and then count it all joy. Why do I want to count it all joy? Because I, that goes back to James, which I've made a big deal out of. It says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. I'm going to go here. When you, fall, uh, when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, I know some say diverse trials. We've already had this discussion in previous uh, sessions and previous studies um, in this series on temptation. I believe the word temptation there is the correct word. I don't think we should make that trials because the Greek word there, the word temptation carries three ideas, enticement to evil, trial and testing. We should count it all joy because whether it's a trial or whether it's an enticement to evil, it shows something it shows the reality inside of me. If it's one o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden I'm having feelings or desires for something, look, I can say, man, I shouldn't desire this. I shouldn't feel this, but I can count it all joy because it reminds me, man, you don't have it all together. It, 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 I should count it all joy because temptation is a constant reminder of how insecure I am when it comes to living out the Christian life. The thing that will destroy your false sense of security is waking up and acknowledging the reality is waking up, acknowledging the reality, acknowledging your limitations, acknowledging your desires, acknowledging your sinful nature, watching. It's watching not only what's around me, but watching what's going on inside of me. Praying because I'm acknowledging my I'm I'm now confessing to God the reality that is inside of me. I'm telling God what's really going on, and so I and then so I count it all joy because I it's it's a wonderful thing. I I I've tried to get this point across. And our culture, we are trained not to see failure as a good thing. You go to school, you get an F. What happens? You get grounded when you come home. You get in trouble. You're embarrassed. You're shamed. You're humiliated. You got to get that grade up so that you can pass, so that you can get on the honor roll, so you can become val Victorian salutatorian. What is rewarded is not messing up. But in some ways, I think what we have to learn to see is that F on the paper is a great thing because it shows you where your weaknesses are. It shows you what you need to do. It's, it's, it's a positive thing. Count it all joy because now, you know, you don't know this subject. You now know you're not the master of this. You're going to have to work. Every temptation is going, hey, 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 don't, don't be lying down on the mast and lying down in the middle of the sea. Don't let false security, danger is lying right there and it's inside of you. You felt the pull of that temptation. You felt the desire. You felt that animosity, you felt that bitterness, you felt that forgiveness, you felt that hatred. You, look, you, you engaged in, in gossip, you engaged in slander, you showed disrespect to authority. You showed unsubmissiveness. You didn't show love. You sh- oh, you felt lust. Count it all joy. Arise, wake up. Watch, pray. Count it all joy. That is false security will get will put us in a situation where we 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 think that we are better than we are, typically leading to self-righteousness and condemning of others. Right? And then the next thing you know, I mean, wouldn't that kind of what wasn't Peter in a sense playing that game? Others may betray you, but not me. Self righteousness. How well did that work out? All right, there's more I want to say here, and there's more I could read from that article, but I think we just kind of we kind of just pulled a lot out from all of that, right? Just, just this is just a little detour, right? All right, this is not our whole study. Our study is in James one. Don't forget that you need to be living in James one. You need to be living in James one, living in James one. But don't forget this um, this, uh, this uh, PDF file on temptation from the Grace Free the Grace Free broadcaster because I want you. Um, I want you to get the most out of this. The free Grace Broadcaster. I think I said Grace Free. Free Grace Broadcaster, issue 257. You can look it up online or underneath this broadcast on the Church One app and Sermons 2.0 app. The PDF file will be available. All right. I'd love to get your thoughts on any of this. Newsifyahoo.com. I want you to just honestly ask yourself, how has a false sense of security, been detrimental in your Christian life. You may never struggle with it, but don't forget to create that little mini timeline of Peter. This is some fun activities to get us really into this study. I think this is is a good thing here, all right? Okay. Got a lot to do. Got a lot to do. We're going to work on all of this uh, tomorrow at Victory Baptist Church. is going to be, I think, a whole day, Sunday school, Sunday morning and Sunday night. going to be all dedicated to really digging into some of these little things and, and putting them together. And hopefully will be very, 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 very beneficial. If you've got any questions, struggles about any of this. Please let me know, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. If you need help finding any of the resources, there you go. Don't forget, you got the curriculum available to us. Those, those have signed up for the curriculum. If you need uh, information about that, contact me, newsif at yahoo.com. And don't forget the free Grace Broadcaster on temptation. Oh, There's so much more I want to say. Wake up, watch, pray count it all joy. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.